The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Jesus said, I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures, but will tell you plainly of the Father. That day you will ask in my name. Do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world again. I am leaving the world and am going to the Father. His disciples said, Yes, now you are speaking plainly, not in any figure of speech. Now we know that you know all things, and do not need to have anyone question you. By this we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? The hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each one to his home, and you will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. I have said this to you, so that in me you may have peace. In the world you face persecution. But take courage. I have conquered the world. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In England they would have said, Edith, but she spent so much time in Belgium, the French-speaking part of Belgium. And I'm going to use the French pronunciation as she was known there, Edith Clavage. Nurse and Martyr. I call her a martyr. She was a witness to the faith. And that alone qualifies her for the crown of a martyr and she was murdered or executed by a firing squad by the Germans in World War I. And she never wavered in her faith, but she wasn't executed for her faith, but for sending Allied soldiers and civilians to neutral Holland. Remember, World War I, uh, Holland was neutral, which was sadly why so many Jewish people in World War II fled to Holland. They thought it was going to be neutral. But once these people were in Holland, 200 or so of them, they could circle back to Britain and rejoin the war against Germany. And she may well have been a British spy, or at least a conduit of information, the intelligence that went through these people that had been on the battlefield and then went to Holland and came back. There was a time not long ago where her good de death in faith and her heroic service to the British Empire would have thrilled me. Remember, even in that glorious, glorious um, funeral for the late queen, and I watched every bit of it. It was a military parade. All spit and polish and beautiful and thrilling. 
But times have changed. And we have seen empire wage a war of personal power in Ukraine, and a growing movement to establish empire even more firmly in the United States under a fascist dictatorship. 32nd history of World War I. The Germans wanted a place in the sun. They wanted uh, colonies in Africa and throughout the Middle East. The Turks wanted to hang on to the Ottoman Empire, so they made an alliance. And they moved basically against Britain. They had moved across Europe, but they basically were against the empire upon which the sun never set. Britain was powerful. So it was two empires in collision. The result was 40 million dead, probably another 40 million injured, many permanently, soldiers and civilians, the land unusable, first use of chemical weapons, mustard gas, which is terrible, tanks, the ambiguity of that very great war, the one that was to end all wars, looks different to me now. How can I honor Nurse Edith Clavel for her courage, devotion, accomplishment for the common good? And she did it in spades, and still recognize her as a child of her age, a child of the British Empire. So let's back up. She was born in 1865, the eldest child of a vicar and his wife. She did not marry, but took jobs as a governess. <coughs> One to a family in Belgium. <coughs> she returned to care for her sick father, who recovered. Uh, although it was common for one daughter to remain unmarried, to care for their parents and their old age, her experience in nursing her father prompted her to a vocation in nursing, which had only become a respected and respectable profession since Florence Nightingale, maybe 20, 30 years before. That leads us in unusual ways. Probably because of her sojourn in Belgium as a governess, she was recruited to serve at a new nursing hospital at a school in Belgium. She soon excelled in her vocation founding a journal for nurses to keep them abreast of new medical discoveries. They were no longer just emptying bedpans, they were actually doing nursing. Um, she undertook the training of all the new nurses and even into children in schools. I mean, her list of accomplishments is pages long. Despite their goodwill, nursing orders of nuns did not meet the mark of modern nursing, and Clavel undertook increasing the availability of secular trained nurses to pick up the slack. She was a devout Anglican all her life, which supported her in her tragic end. At the onset of World War I and the occupation of Belgium in November of 1914, Clavel began to care for German wounded and British, French and Belgian wounded soldiers and civilians. The time had passed when that itself would have meant a death sentence, as after the first um, 
uh, Geneva Conference, uh, there was an accord that medical professionals would be protected from persecution for aiding anybody. So that wasn't the problem. Um, and besides which, her clinic was now being run by the Red Cross. But she went further by sending over 200 of these people over to Holland, which was neutral, and back into the war. And at that point, Germany was losing about as badly as Russia's losing now. And she was betrayed when they heard that poignant gospel. And she was arrested. And after a complex series of political arm wrestlings, what should we charge her with? It, it, was, a very, it was a very long and complicated um, case before she ever was even eligible for trial. Uh, she was charged with something called military treason, a capital crime. It was the way it was worded in the German rule that if you were a, a, a living in a German-controlled country, you lived under German laws, and so anything she did against Germany was treason. Furthermore, when questioned, she was painfully honest, although part of her charge was based on her escapees being repatriated to England, she could have certainly dissembled and said they were sick, they weren't coming back. She didn't. She made a clean breast of it. It was like confession to a priest. Despite cries of mercy from around the world, her sentence was carried out on October 13, 1915. She did not fear death. She said, I don't fear death because I've seen so much of it. And the night before her execution, she was attended by the Anglican chaplain, the Reverend H. Sterling Mayhem, who gave a communion. He recorded her words. I am thankful to have had these 10 weeks of quiet to get ready. Now that I've had them and have been kindly treated, I expect my sentence. And I believe it was just. Standing as I do in the view of God, and eternity, I realize that patriotism is not enough. I must have no hatred or bitterness towards anyone. She was glad to serve God and country. Now, after her death, she became an icon of patriotism in Britain. And in a crafted propaganda campaign against the brutal Hun, she, she was held up as a helpless martyr. Um, but she, we don't know what Clavel would have thought of this. But she was a child of her era, and patriotism to the motherland and its imperial actions around the world was baked into her bones. And think about what's happening in this country now. How much of this is baked into the bones? How much of this is bearing fruit in 
terrorist organizations that think they are saving the country by their patriotism. It's very complex and it's not as easy as it was 50 years ago. She was in a war and became a combatant by her actions. She was not a pacifist. Maybe if she'd lived, she'd be, had become one, but she wasn't. She wanted England to win and her beloved Belgium to be free. In this war against empires, you have to pick one or the other. But wars are fought by kings and dictators, and the massive killing is the killing of mostly young men and civilians of all sorts, and the devastation of the land on which it is fought. To win, you must damage the enemy more than they damage you. It's a race of death. It is just the kind of war that Judith, Judas and the most first-century Judeans expected of their Messiah. And that ambiguity of ex expectation led to another juridical and legal execution, the crucifixion. While the gospel message of service and loving and the promise of the resurrection were part of Christendom in the 19th century Europe, so was the willingness to kill for national honor, power, and pride. Kwabala made her choice and must be made to pay for it. Her honest confession stood both in her favor for its courage and against her for the acknowledgement of her guilt. The German general who finally decreed her death, despite widespread protests from both sides, was the stickler for rules. So was she. We have them today in politics and education in the church. But what was probably the last straw and might have been known to that general was that she was also acting as a British intelligence officer, whether knowingly or not. She was sending information to the British High Command through the prisoners she sent through her underground railway through Holland to Britain. So was Clavella Martyr for the faith, yes. And though her steadfast loyalty to Jesus and the Church and her witness of steadfast truth even unto death, she was a martyr. Was she a saint for her vocation of service to the needy, wounded, ill, desperate, despite the danger to herself? Yes. And then we come to the issue of national identity. She's not a pacifist. World War I was a very bad time to be a pacifist. But it wasn't her fault. Are we pacifists? Did Jesus demonstrate a call to violent action or even protest? Today that is not so clear. And few of us are pacific enough not to feel the need and a moral one to take arms or raise a signal, a sign at least, against a sea of oppression and tyranny. I have no answers. But I invite us all to search our hearts, not just once, but each and every time that it comes up in our personal and national life. Pray deeply and don't choose based on fear 
or sensibility, but on the Word of God and the prompting of the Spirit in our hearts. Being a disciple of Christ isn't safe or easy, but if there is only one true way, it's abiding in Jesus who poured out himself for us in the ultimate act of poverty, in the ultimate act of chastity by loving us all equally, and in the ultimate act of obedience to his Father, whose will be done. In this, Nurse Pavel was a martyr, perhaps flawed by her society and times, but a martyr and a life well lived, and if she had lived, what good she had could have done when the Spanish flu hit two years after the war. So today we remember Nurse Flavola Pavel and we honor her and we pray for her and we ask her prayers that we be as courageous and are able to stand to our truth, whatever that truth is, to the end, even unto death, in imitation of our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. Amen. 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 God. <clears throat>at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon.